All right, thank you for being back here tonight. We had a great, great Sunday, uh, just tremendous. We've had a great spring program this morning. It was full down here, and it was full somewhere else that's not down here. And uh, actually had people in the overflow room here. And so thank you. It works. When you do the things that God tells you to do, it just works, right? Sharing the gospel as, as, uh, as uh, George, was that you up here? I wasn't paying attention. I was daydreaming. Uh, when George was up here, I met those guys. And they're like, yes, we, just, we got an invitation and God wanted us to go. We had a great membership class with a good group in there. So thank you for your work. I love, I love we're reaching out to everybody. I love the bus ministry. We talked about this on Thursday night. And I love the folks in the wheelchairs back here every single Sunday morning. It's, we're, trying to, we're trying, if you pray with us, we're trying to find a van to drive them over so the teenagers don't have to roll them over the wheel, wheel uh, the railroad tracks, okay? I love our teenagers. They get here early, and they walk over there, and they, they push those people over here. And uh, just a tremendous group. We're in four different homes now. I think uh, three homes. We're getting into a fourth home. And, uh, and just everything God is doing, and, and, and God's doing it because you're willing to do it. And so I'm very, very thankful for that and thankful for caring about people and not just being uh, selfish and so forth. We're going to look at 2 Samuel chapter 12 in a second. It goes with 2 Samuel chapter 11, a story we know well. But problems always arise in an individual's life when, when we start to work secretly. <clears throat> We're doing things in the background because we have a desired outcome for something that we want. And we don't think about potential consequences or outcomes. Um, a lot of times we're secretive about things we're doing because deep down in our heart we know it's not the right thing to do, I guess would be the way to say it, and uh, we could be getting ourselves in trouble. We're going to see that in a, more, in a minute, um, but it happens. How many homes have been ruined because one of the spouses starts to go a little astray and they start uh, talking to someone on the outside and, and they think they could have this extra relationship and it'll never come to life and it does and it ruins their home. How many people are, have in the background cheated at their companies or, or been deceitful and, and just thieves? Um, just you could go on and on and on because they think that they can hide it and get away with it. But God makes it pretty clear to us that we cannot. It's easy to get caught up in sometime because the, the thrill of the moment, you know, the possibility for personal gain that we think or pleasure override our sense of right, override the, the, the possibility of getting caught. And we can easily get tangled up in something that we would never have thought we would. How many of you remember... Um, um, the subway guy from about 20 years ago, Jared. Anybody remember him? Now, I don't know if this is a real diet. I've heard of a lot of diets, right? Um, the uh, South Beach, keto. Um, what's the one where the, the Atkins diet, where you eat bacon, and, and the guy that came up with it died of a heart attack, but he was happy. Um, if someone came up with a gravy diet, I'd be 100% in. Let's just go with that and move on with our lives. Um, Jared's diet was he only ate at Subway. And I think he weighed over 350 pounds. And he lost like 150, 140 pounds on Subway. I don't like Subway. It's not like a Ford or McDonald's, don't get me wrong. But uh, Jimmy John's is just so much better, but that's a message for another day. Um, but, and so he, 
he, he started talking about it, and Subway heard, heard about it, and they, they made commercials around him. He turned this into a career. He'd go around and go to children and talk about obesity and so forth. But if many of you know the story, in the background, the guy was filthy, dirty, uh, I, don't even, I, don't, I can't say it in church, not good, okay, uh, child pornography and other things, and he's in jail now. He had this persona of being a caring person and, and trying to help people and help, ch- and it was his whole life, but yet secretly, where he thought he would never get caught, he started in some things and it got worse and worse and worse. Mankind, we are like that. We are not much different sometimes than Adam and Eve, who thought after they sinned, God comes calling and they're like, let's hide. Can you imagine that? They're the only two people on the planet. They know God personally, and when they did wrong, it's like God's looking for us. Let's hide behind this tree. That didn't work. And it never works when we try to hide it. And so that's what I want to look at a little this, this evening. Chapter 12 is God's response to what happened in, in chapter 11. That's the whole story of David and Bathsheba, where David got himself in a lot of trouble. If you read chapter 11, and I'm not going to, I'm going to spend a little time quickly going through the story so we get it, but the whole narrative in chapter 11 is nothing but a, a tragedy. Like it's being orchestrated by David who are, who's using others to bring this whole scheme to fulfillment. It's almost like a leader preparing for a, a project and he's looking at his resources and he's directing his employees to get something done. David's doing that, but it's in a sin. It's for something that's totally tragic. The key word in chapter number 11 that I saw, and this is what got my attention as I was looking at this one day, is the word Sent, sent. All throughout that chapter, sent, 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 sent. Different things. Using people to get what he wanted. And all of that sending led to sinning. Notice all of these words. I'll just briefly go for, 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 uh, uh, to get us into the, the, uh, 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 an introduction and then, and then we'll get into the message that comes from this. But look at chapter 11 and notice all the words where it's used, okay? First of all, we see that uh, uh, others are sent and David stays. Look at verse 1, if you may. It says that, and it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab. But what happens to David? Look at the last sentence in the chapter, in the verse. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Here's where it starts. David sent them out to do the fighting when he should have been out there with them. He wasn't too old to be out there. And he stayed back when David should have been going. By the way, sin always starts that way, does it not? It starts when we're somewhere we shouldn't be. Or we're not where we should be. Right? I know this, when I come to church, I'm not going to do bad things at church. When I'm, doing, when I'm reading my Bible, I'm not going to do bad things reading my Bible. And so, so uh, that's a lot of sin. We're not, we're not where we should be or we, where we're at where we shouldn't be at. And so David sent them out and that's what happened to him. Look at verse 2. He sent and inquired. That led to the next step. By the way, these are all kind of steps. And the farther he's taken these steps, these are steps downward. They're not steps upward. Look at verse 2. He sends and inquires. And it came to pass at, in at, at evening tide, you know, when David should have been out to fighting the battle, 
that David arose from off his bed. He's hanging out. And walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Okay, I don't know the whole context there, but she was outside and within David's eye range. And David should not, but David's like, whoa. Now, what he should have done is look the other way. What he should have done is, this isn't the place for me to hang out. Maybe I should send someone down there and tell her, hey, sister, can you put the blinds up? But that's not what he does. Look at verse 3. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? See, instead of David shutting it down right there, David says, hey, who is this woman? That was a bad move. He got curious about something that wasn't right. And by the way, the information he got was the wrong information. Because the information told him that it was the wife of Uriah, one of his mighty men. And you know where David knew he was? He was off to battle. She was home alone because he checked into it. By the way, listen, all of us are going to be tempted. Don't, don't, I understand that. But don't check into it. Okay, summer's coming. You know what happens when summer comes? Ladies, the ladies start taking their clothes off. It's like, I mean, in California, if it gets above 75, it's like, you know, guys, we can't control how society dresses. I'm getting a little quiet here, thanks. Uh, we can't control how society dresses, but we control which direction we look. Okay? And so, so we keep looking, and then we start wanting to get details. So we have to be very careful about that. We send an inquire, which led to the next step. He knew all the details. Now he can be bolder. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and they lay with her. See, because he inquired about what was going on, he now desired her. And I don't know how he did the mental math, okay? I don't know if he tried to, I don't know. At that point, he might have just said, oh, well. And he brings her to his house. Her husband's not home. She's not his wife. He should have been at war, and they sin. So what happens now? David sends her home. It's like, it's over. You know, we're done with that. Let's move on. I don't know. Look at verse 5. Now someone else sins, Bathsheba. She sins and tells him. Look at verse 5. And the woman conceived. That means she's pregnant. That means she has a real living person inside of her, just so you know. And sent and told David and said, I am, what's those next two words, by the way? With child. No, 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 she's wrong. She meant embryo. What does God say about pregnancy? With child. Case closed. Let's move on. See, David was of the mind, I'm sure, John, that this is a one-time thing, you know? Shouldn't have done it. She came. It's over. Send her back. I got other wives. Let's just move on. Sorry, buddy. That's not how it works. She's pregnant now. There's a, you know, whenever we think we can sin and get away with it, you know, we, we sometimes think of sin as one and done, right? Like, we're over it. Um, consequences kick in. You can't control those. And the second you think you can get away with it, the second you think you're over it, the consequences of your action are going to kick in. So now David has to take another step. He thought it was over. So now he, there's another sending. Look at verse 6. And David, there's the word, sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. 
and Joab sent Uriah to David. Now, David's starting to think here, okay? David's like, okay, got to fix the situation. You, you know, he's a king. He's kind of a leader. It's kind of what they do. So he's like, all right, let me send and have Uriah come back. I'll ask him some lame questions, you know, like I'm trying to get information. Then he'll go home. He'll be with his wife, and ta-da, it's his child. Now, maybe he thought Uriah was really bad at math. You can catch that one in a minute, okay? It takes nine months, not six or seven. And, but that's David's plan. And you know Uriah? It's, it's like, look, whenever you're trying to hide sin, other things come your way just to kind of like throw the heap on the fire. Like, hey, what are you doing? Just confess and get over this thing. Uriah comes, David sends him home, and he sleeps outside with David's servants. He won't even go see his wife. And David's like, hey, what's that all about? He goes, why should I go see my wife when my buddies are still on the battlefield? That's a man right there. So David says, let's get him drunk. So he gives him wine. He says, hey, by the way, I'll say this. He doesn't usually get away with it, but uh, a wine will cause you to go that direction. David knew that, and it still works to this day, so don't drink. But So he gives him wine, and Uriah does the same thing. So it's almost like it just keeps building, so he has to take another step. Look at verse 14. He writes a letter. He sent a letter. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by Uriah the Hittite. Now David's totally out of control. Here's what the letter says. Hey, put Uriah, because Uriah was a mighty man. Put him up at the front of the battle. When the battle's going, kind of back off of him so he's there by himself or where there's a bunch of arrows where the chances of him getting killed are super high. And that's exactly what, and, 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 and think of the callousness of David. To send this by the hand of the guy you're having killed. That's super callous. That's like, that's like next level hard heart calloused. And it happens. And guess what happens? He's dead. He gets killed just like he planned. Well, it's over. Okay, well, verse 18, he thinks the cover-up's complete because Joab, Joab sins now. And Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war. And I'm just, I'm, I'm going through this and telling you a story, but so everything happened just like you said, David. Case is over. He's gone. He's out of the way. And then David goes to the next step. David sent and fetched. Look at verse 27. And when the morning was passed, every, he's dead. He's gone. It's over. The cover-up is complete. And when the morning was passed, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. Do you understand here? All the steps he had to keep taking, it's getting worse, it's getting worse. That was not David's original plan. His plan did not involve making her one of his wives. His plan was he saw her, his lust was out of control, he sent for her, he brought her in, he did wrong, and we're done with it. But then she gets pregnant. And David goes through all of this, and now he has to take the logical last step, which is making him his wife, so that hopefully the whole nation is bad with math. There it is again. And it's his kid. It's, it's like, okay, you notice all this humanism and all the nonsense going on. But here's what I want us to notice, and we'll get to chapter 12. It's who's missing in all the details and who gets the last word. Right? It's in the last part of chapter 11. Let me just say this. 
All throughout chapter 11, God is nowhere to be found. Okay? He is totally out of the equation, except for that last sentence. Look at chapter, verse 27 of chapter 11. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. God always has the last word. Now, everything's done, and everybody's out of control, and it's like, okay, we got through this thing, let's just move on, and hopefully nobody notices, and then it's like, oh, by the way, God's super, super not happy with this. God's like, I am displeased. That brings us to chapter 12. In chapter 12, after everybody is out sending, mostly David, God decides it's time for him to send. Verse 1, and the Lord sent Nathan unto David. God acts. In chapter 12, I want to see in what God sent the consequences of sin and how it must be dealt with. And, and I hope the point of this is a warning to us. Right? Do we, wanna, do we want to build a hospital at the bottom of the mountain or would we rather have a fence at the top of the mountain? I would, rather, I would rather have a fence at the top of the mountain so people don't fall over and, and hurt themselves than have a, to build a hospital at the bottom for everybody that's fallen over the edge. So let this be a warning to us. You can never get away with sin. You can never work in the background, hide it, connive, and do all these things and get away with it. What did God send in chapter number 12? Let me briefly go through them. First of all, God sent a prophet, and the Lord sent Nathan. Now, God is going to speak, he is going to get involved, and he's going to send a prophet. What is the point of him sending? He doesn't let us get away with sin because we're his child. God could not just let this go. God could not just let this be swept under the rug. There's just no way. God had to intervene, and God had to act. Doesn't that just make sense? If you're a parent, you know if your kids are doing something crazy or they're going to hurt themselves, you get involved. Do you not? You don't just let it go. By the way, society will tell you just let kids do whatever they want, but that's bad parenting. In fact, it's neglect. These parents that are letting their children get their bodies mutilated because they get up and say, if they're a guy, and say, I feel like a girl today, shame on you. Look, you know, one of my grandsons thinks he's Batman. Okay, I don't say, oh, well, he identifies with Batman. He should get superhero privileges. Okay, no. The kid's like, he's a kid. He, he thinks, you know, what about the, you know, I go sometimes, I, I walk to the hallways, I'll go into my daughter's class. He teaches four years old. I like to answer, ask him questions. What do you want to be when you grow up? I asked, where's, uh, uh, Raul, his son wanted to be a monster truck. I'm like, that's not even physically possible. Okay, one kid wanted to be a dinosaur. It's like, okay, I mean, so I'm going to start raising my kid as a monster truck. I'm going to get him oversized shoes. Okay, I'm going to feed him oil. I mean, come on, what's wrong with us? Anyhow, back to the Bible. 
So the point is this. As parents, we would give our kids guidelines. We would parent them and say, hey, that's a really bad idea. And if the kids are in your house, you'll, you'll go a step further. It says, not as long as you live under my roof. You're not going to do that. Okay? So let's be very careful. But, but God's like that too. It, it'll be a message of guilt that he's specifically sending. So David will find out what's going on, and David could get it right. A loving God is not going to just let his children continue in sin without trying to intervene. You know, you have the spirit of God that indwells inside of you, don't you? And sometimes you do something wrong, and, and the spirit of God will convict us. Listen to him at that moment. Don't reject it. Don't avoid it. That's why God gave us his spirit. We hear the word of God taught and preached, or we read it, we read something, the Spirit of God says, hey, that's for you today. That's something you need to work on. Don't reject that. Let him speak to us. God wants to speak to us. But here's the whole point before we move on to the next one. The best thing to do is to listen to the message before we get in trouble. I prefer before, right? I don't want to get in trouble. I want to hear it ahead of time. I want to know, you know what? That's a really bad path to go on. I don't want to hear after I get to the end of the road, say, hey, you should have took a right down at the bottom of the hill. I don't want to hear that. I want to follow up before. Do you know that's what the Bible is for? The Bible is there to keep us on the right path so we don't deviate down the wrong path. That's what church is for. Well, Pastor Meyer, sometimes you're just, you know, you're just a, a little bit too pointed. No, that's what the world's telling you. I'm just telling you what God said. That's not pointed, it's truth. And, I, and I, I don't want to stand before God and say, why didn't you say anything about that? Like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I, look, I'll, I'll tell my kids that's a bad path. If something's the Bible, we need to learn it. I need to know it. Me, I need to know that. That's what convictions are for. That's why you find out what the Bible says and says, if that's what the Bible says and that's not the path that I go on, I'm going to put boundaries up that will even keep me from getting towards that path. That's what our schools are for, by the way. Hey, let me scare you parents, if your kids aren't in a Christian school. I saw a, I saw a, I saw a, a statistic the other day. 19% of the kids today, are they, are they Gen Z? They identify as like transgendered, non-binary, all that nonsense. 19%. One out of five. You know where they're getting that from? The schools they're in. The schools they're in. That's nuts. That's just a change in two or three years from a minuscule amount. That's, kids are easily influenced. And so I'm not going to put, look, we cannot undo in four hours of church what a public uh, government-funded school is doing 40 hours a week. Not going to happen. And I've said it before. If you sent our kids to our Sunday school and the teacher got up and said, hey, uh, Johnny, you might be a girl. You, the gender you have, that was a sign to you at birth. Like when a baby's born, they roll the dice. Boom. Up, oh, it's girl today. Are you with me? Because it's super quiet in here. You would get mad and say, I'm not sending my kid to that Sunday school class anymore. But yet we'll send them places Boy Scouts, they don't even know if they, they let anybody in now. Girl Scouts, I wouldn't even buy their cookies anymore. And their cookies are really good. Okay? Keebler, okay. thank you for sharing. 
But I'm just saying we have to be careful. All of these things are to put us in a position to, so, so we don't get to David. We avoid David. We go off to war. We don't do the first step. Secondly, I'll hustle. God sent a picture. Verse 2. What does, Dave, what does Nathan do? Nathan's gonna, Nathan doesn't just come in and say, David, you're the man. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna share with him through a picture so David gets the message. There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. He had more animals than he needed. But the poor man had nothing save one ewe lamb. He just had one little lamb, which he had bought and nourished up and grew it together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. He must have been part of PETA or something. I'm not sure. Um, joking. It's just a story God gave. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, but he spared not to take of his own flock and of his herd. By the way, animals like that are really good for meals. If God did not want us to eat animals, he should not have made them of meat. Okay? Uh, Thank you for that, Ryan. And there came a traveler, and and he spared to take of his own flock, flock that heard to dress for the wafering man that was coming in, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. Do you see what this guy did? This guy said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to take my own, one of my lambs. I've got all these lambs we could eat, gyros. I can have all these lambs that we can eat, but I'm going to take the poor man's lamb. That's unjust, right? Would you, think of, would you think of that? I mean, you've got all this meat in your fridge. You've got more meat than you can eat in a month, and the guy down the street only has one meal, and you're like, go steal his meal to feed this guy. How many of you would be ticked off about that? I would be. Well, David got the message too. But God had to send him a message. That's how God often worked in the, in the New Testament. Jesus gave messages so that they would, get, get, would give pictures so they would get the message. What we learn here is that we have to see sin from God's perspective. He's trying to put it in a picture so that when Nathan sticks his finger in his face, he gets it. He's like, you know what? You're right. That is wrong. It's wrong for me to take another man's wife just as it was for this guy to take the guy's one ewe lamb. David had everything he needed. He didn't need to take another woman from somebody else. If he wanted to, if he wanted, if he, if he wanted to be with a wife that night, he had, he had I don't know how many, he had 10, 12, I don't know, he had more than he needed. One, two is too many. Not, it's not two too many, it's one too many. But, but it's like, but that's what happens. The picture is, we have to see sin from God's perspective. That's a good picture, and it's absolutely right. It's never easy for us to excuse, it's easy for us to excuse what we did. And I, and I, and if I say it in my preaching sometimes, you know, I, you know what I mean when I talk about sin. But we'll say, you know, I made a mistake. You know, I, um, you know, I, I have an illness. By the way, sin's not an illness, all right? Alcohol, you know, I have an illness, it's, it's alcoholism. Well, then don't, don't stand by me, I don't want to catch it. I don't want to be an alcoholic. Do they, have an, a, do, they have like, do they have a vaccine for that? It's called, yes, don't drink alcohol. That's free too, by the way. Or it's not that, yeah, I was a little bit, you know, I have a weakness, and it was a little bit wrong, and, and just, you know, other people are doing it, no excuses. You have to see sin from God's perspective. God says it's a choice. You chose to do wrong. God says it's rebellion. You are rebelling against me. Just like if you told your kid, go take the trash out, and your son said, no, I'll never take it out. You got to see sin from that angle. 
It's disobedience, and it's just flat wrong. We have to quit. Also, you know what's funny? We, the flip side of the coin is now we look at righteousness from the wrong perspective. Instead of a boundary to keep us from doing wrong, we flip it. It's restrictive. I'm missing out. It's hard. No, no, it's not hard. It's not restrictive. Freedom comes within the walls of God's word, not outside the walls of God's word. Now, before I move on, we must also understand that we have to quit looking at it from the perspective of liberal Christianity. Right? Well, I have liberty. What? That's like saying, you know, I have liberty to break the law. No, you don't. You don't have that liberty. Well, you know, I'm under grace. Well, grace forgives you when you sin. Grace is not an excuse to go into sin. But don't, don't let... Liberty, brother. Just you're legalistic. Because God tells us... If I'm a legalist, which I'm not, because legalism is adding works to salvation, don't listen to the... You listen to some... Don't, by the way, don't listen to these guys on the radio, but, they, well, that's legalism. Fair, turn them off. Click. Don't turn them on, but if you did, turn them off when they say that. It's not legalism. The legalism thought they could keep the law to get saved. Okay? And it's, that's not what it is. Under grace? Read Romans chapter 5 and 6 and tell me you're under grace. God's grace keeps us from sin because sin is destructive. That's what God wants. I'm forgiven. Well, that's good. So you won't go to hell for your sin, but you'll suffer the consequences of your sin on this earth if you don't get it right. Third, God sent a process. God's trying to get David's attention, and it's working. Look what he does. David's just like, you know, it's almost like they're just setting this little spiritual trap so they can get David's attention, and David's just walking right into it. Here we go. Verse 5. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, because he, he's a righteous man. And he said unto Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Said the man who took another man's wife and had him killed. David is so out there. He's totally disconnected himself from what he did. That he can get mad over this. Verse 6, David shouldn't have said this. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold. Which David had to in his children, by the way. That's a story for another day. Because he did this thing and because he had no pity. He just took a man's lamb. That's all he did. It's wrong, but don't get me wrong, and I'd be ticked off too. And he had no pity? Oh, you mean the same pity as you took one of your mighty men's wife? You took his wife? And not only that, you had him killed? And not only that, you made him take the letter to Joab telling him how to be killed? I don't, I don't know. Work with me here. I don't see any pity there. But see... You go through sin, and, and, and you get so blind to it that you get angry about the same things you're doing. You have to be very careful about that. We're, we're, we, we, have, we have to walk carefully. It's so easy for us to see something in, that is wrong when we, when we are not the one doing it. Right? It's hard to accept that something is wrong when we are the one doing it. We get upset about something that we're violating. You know what that just shows us? It's so easy for us to excuse what we're doing while at the same time condemning somebody else that's doing it. Okay? 
Why don't we, you know, it's like the person you're sitting in church and is preaching and then the elbow comes out. Hey, was, yeah. Yeah. I, hope, I hope Raul heard that. He's struggling. Okay? Been praying for him. Well, you know what? The message is for you. The message is for me. And so we, 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 get, we get so, we, 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 we're, we're all concerned about what everybody else is doing, and, and we, but we're not concerned about what's going on in our life. He should have been listening to that story, and I'll tell you what the story should have done. It should have convicted him about what he did. Now think about that. If he's listening, that's, can, you can't tell me what he did wasn't in his mind. But he, blocked, he should have thought, that's exactly what I did to Uriah. Wouldn't the story have been better if he would have said, you know what, Nathan, I know where you're going with this. I was wrong. But he didn't get there. It had to go further. Next, God sent a pronouncement. He just got, he's going to tell David full out, verse 7. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man. Thus saith the God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. And delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. By the way, he doesn't just say, you're the man. That's it. Look at what he says. He's going to explain the process to him. He wants David to get the, the, the whole dynamic of what happened. Look what he says, verse 8. I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom. You're the king now. You've got the whole kingdom. I gave thee the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Okay, you've got everybody. Because remember when he took over, the, temporarily for three years, the kingdom was split, Ishbosheth, And God put it back together and said, I gave you everything, David. And if, look at this, and if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Could you imagine that? God said, look, if that's not enough for you, if you wanted more, why didn't you just ask? David didn't realize how good he had it. He's trying to point out like, you didn't even need to do that, David. I'm talking about you. You had everything going for you, and you wanted something you shouldn't have. Why didn't you just ask if you felt like you needed something else? Wow. That's the depth of what David did. He's trying to get his attention. Wherefore, verse 9, thou hast despised the commandment. Why? Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. David didn't do it, but David set it up. He was guilty. And hast taken his wife to be your wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Just because the, the sword wasn't in David's hand didn't mean he killed him. He said, you used the children of Ammon to do this. And you had everything you needed. What in the world are you thinking, David? God sends that. He tells him all the steps, all the planning, all the nonsense, and he bears it out with those words, thou art the man. Because God determines what's right, God determines what's wrong, God determines what's acceptable, and God determines what's unacceptable. Remember, the standard of right and wrong is the Bible. And God has a right to tell us what to do, and God has a right to tell us when we're wrong when we violate what he does. And we need to look at it like, hey, God's given us so much, why would I want something else? How come we always have to look to somebody or something else than what God has given us? You know, this man's looking and saying, I wish I, had, I wish I had that guy's wife, and he's thinking, I wish I had that guy's wife. Okay? What about that? What about this family? What about that job? What about, we're always looking somewhere else. And God's like, I got you right where I want you. Just follow me. 
It's all good. And people mess up sometimes. They're like, man, I wish I would have never done it. I didn't realize how good I had it. God's trying to get our attention tonight. Hey, we got it pretty good. Why don't we just follow him? We don't have to go the way that David does. Understand, David thought he had it all planned out, but you can do a lot of things successfully. There's one thing you can never do successfully. Sin. Never going to happen. And then, inevitably, this happens. God sends a punishment. Look at verse 10. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto the neighbor. And it happened. And he shall lie with thy wives in the, light of the, in the sight of the sun. That was, um, that was his son. For thou didst secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. Sin always has a punishment. By the way, you say, that was, pretty, that was a pretty drastic punishment for David. But you have to understand something. David's position. Everybody knew, everybody, everybody figured it out. Joab knew. I guarantee you, the guys, the guys that were fighting for Joab, they looked at it like, why did we leave Uriah unprotected? Why did, this, is, this, doesn't, this wasn't just some foot soldier, although all soldiers are great. This was one of his mighty men. This was one of the guys. Why did we not protect him? And you know what happened? They all came home. Uriah's dead. And David's walking around with Uriah's wife, who either she had the baby or she was pregnant. And they're like, okay, I get it. Are you with me? He's the leader. Great responsibility comes, you know, great punishment when you fall short. David was accountable. And this had to happen. God, by the way, now, now maybe it's not as drastic for us, but if we're not willing to get away from our sin, we can suffer consequences as well. Yeah, we can be forgiven. Yeah, we, we can overcome. But we still face consequences. Just because our sins are forgiven in a, an eternal sense doesn't mean we don't pay for them on an earthly sense. And I'm not saying, you know, you cut someone off the freeway tomorrow and yell at them. You're not going to... But, but, but we get involved in some of these things and we're sneaking around. Okay, and look, we live in a technology age. You can do a lot of wrong on technology. No one knows. Yes, he does. He knows everything. I'm just, it's just a little this. I'm just kind of, you know, DMing and this other nonsense to start these flirtatious relationships when you already have so. God knows. And it's going to lead to something horrific if we're not careful. We're not going to get away with it. I would rather, I would rather run from it. You understand, we can, we, we can control whether or not we sin, but once we sin, we cannot control the consequences. See, David thought he could. It didn't work for him very well. And then God sends a purge. Look at verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. By the way, he should have said that like six verses earlier. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin, and thou shalt not die. You know, we can give forgiveness when we sin. And I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, and I, in a crowd like this, you're here on Sunday night, you're not, unless, you know, I don't think there's any Davids in here tonight. But we have other things that we could start heading in that direction. Let's be careful. 
Maybe there's something small we're starting to dabble with. Hey, why don't you get that out of the way now? Why don't you confess that now and let's get that cleansed? See, what happens is we do these things and then Satan throws it on us. And then we become entrapped by what we're doing. And and we keep heading in that direction and they're just saying, hey, let me cut my losses short. Let me just confess this to God and let me get it right and let me move on in the right direction. If you do something wrong, don't wait. You know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, God wants to cleanse us. We don't have to have that hanging over our head. Okay? And and, and he wants us to get it right. He doesn't want us to keep going down this rabbit hole that David, when it's a one-time deal and he ends up killing her husband, he ends up marrying her, and the all the nonsense and the drama, and then the the, the bad nonsense. It's just, God can purge us. Understand this, and we'll go to the last point, we're done. You, can, you, you also must have forsaking when it comes to our sin. Proverbs tells us, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, David, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. Do you understand that? Sometimes people say, well, you know, we get down, it's just a daily habit. Lord, I did this today, and I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, and you're going to do the exact same thing tomorrow. You're going to get up and ask for the exact same forgiveness tomorrow. But God says we get forgiveness so we can forsake what we're doing. You understand that? That's the goal. The goal isn't just to be forgiven of my sin today, if it's a specific one, especially so that I can wake up and do it and get forgiveness again tomorrow. I'm getting forgiveness, and then Lord, see, do you understand what confession is? When we go to God and we confess our sin, what we're saying is not just, Lord, uh, you know, and I did it. We're saying, Lord, you know I did it, and I agree with you that it's wrong. Do you understand that part? Right? You know, someone comes to, you know, like, I need to confess something. I did this wrong. And they couldn't have got caught. That's a big step. Instead of, hey, what were you doing last night? Okay, I did wrong. That's, that's not confession. That's getting caught. So what we need to do is say, Lord, I agree with you. This is wrong, and I don't want to do it anymore. Forgive me and help me to overcome this and put steps into place to overcome it. And then lastly, God sent a principle. This will really help us to see sin from God's perspective. Howbeit, verse 14, because this deed, by this deed, thou hast given, hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. If we really realize that this is the worst part of sin, it's horrible what sin can do to us if we don't deal with it. But it's worse what it does to God. Think about that. We don't see it that way. We see sin strictly from our perspective, right? Me, mine, what it can do. and all. But what about what we're doing to God? Can, can I just tell you something? Everybody knew about this. I'm just telling you. This, come on, this, this is not brain surgery here. Okay? It, it's not. They all knew. His, his fighting guys are going to know. His leaders are going to know. His other wives are going to know. His children are going to know. They're all going to know. And they're going to know how it happened and why it happened. And they're going to realize two plus two is four. Hey, David got this, this lady. He just married her. And, you know, five months later, she had a baby. And the baby wasn't two pounds. The baby was 12. Come on, work with me here. Fully, fully, what's going on? And then his enemies who see, when they saw Israel, they didn't just see Israel. They saw Israel's God. Like we preached this morning. Okay. Israel was a spiritual 
nation founded by God. And everything about them was to be about God. And the nations of the land knew the difference between them and, and, and they, the, the difference was in their gods. And they're like, oh, that's your God? Oh, this, the God you say you love and you're out here killing one of your best soldiers to get his wife? <clears throat> Who did that reflect bad on? The Lord. Yeah, the Lord. I, I don't want to displease God. Right? I mean, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I'd do wrong. <clears throat> a lot. Didn't have a dad in the house. That's not why. I was just, I was rebellious, okay? But I didn't have a dad in the house to check. And sometimes I would see how it would affect my mom. Remember, I did, went out one, and I was gone. I did something. I came home, and she was crying. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, look, just grab a baseball bat and beat me over the head a couple times. Don't sit there and cry. That bothered me. I mean, you know, it's like if she would have yelled at me or started swinging, I would have said, okay, you know, I'll take it. But don't sit there and cry. You're killing me. That bothered me. And I'm like, man, I am not going to do that thing again. What about God? And, and by the way, and, and I'm thankful you, you are. You're, you're, you're a church that wants to reach people, but I, I, I don't want to do anything that would make God look bad. Because unfortunately, when we do something bad, they blame God. Now, if that's what you Christians are, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Okay, do you feel that way about guys at work? I mean, if your boss was a hypocrite, are you going to never get another job? Some people are like, hmm, what's unemployment going today? Let's just do that. I remember, and I'll be, I'm done. We had a girl years ago, and uh, she had some issues, and she had some struggles, and, and she started changing, and she was doing way better, and she was in our school, and, um, and uh, she was doing really good. Her mom wasn't saved yet. We were working on it. You know, she had this Buddhist background, and uh, her mom came to me, and after she, she was there, she goes, man, I'm not sure. I'm like, you know, your daughter's been doing great. She's really changed, and she did for a while. But after about a year, she started, she got around with some people and she, she ran away and, and uh, she came over our house on Saturday night, like my daughter ran off with these people and blah, 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 blah. And I was sitting there thinking as she was talking to me, I'm thinking that poor girl, what she has done by getting with that wrong crowd, she's almost guaranteed that her mom will never get saved. Her mom was already looking for her not to be genuine. I hope that we're not like that with the world. Unfortunately for God, the world judges him by us. And we're not going to be perfect. Don't get me wrong. We don't need to be. But can we be a good testimony? Okay? Let's not, let's not give the world any occasion to look at God and say, is that what your children are like? Let, let's do our best to be a good representation of him. Let's bow our head and close our eyes just for a minute. Thank you for listening, being attentive this evening. I'm not trying to get on us as much as I'm trying to, uh, you know, like I said, I'd rather have a fence at the top of the hill than a hospital at the bottom. But all of us need to be careful. We're going to have, there's going to be these times in our lives where we can really, we can really get into some things that we don't want to. And by the way, people have, you know, and I understand people blame God, but when people say, well, you know, your church, that person did that, I'm like, I know. So I'll never go to church again. Well, David did that. Are you never going to read your Bible again? I mean, people in the Bible struggle too. I get it. The whole point is, let's be careful. Let's not be working in the background thinking that we can get away with all this nonsense and do all these things and no one will ever know. And it won't hurt anybody. Yes, it will. First of all, it'll hurt you. 
Second of all, it'll hurt those closest to you. But more importantly, it hurts your God. Why don't we avoid all that tonight? That's what being careful is all about. I don't want Nathan coming to my house. Brother Ross can come. I, all right, yes. But I don't want the prophet coming to my house saying, what's going on here? What are you doing? I'd rather deal with my issues and keep them from getting to that point and stay close to God and stay right with him. Let's stand together this evening. The piano's gonna play. God spoke to you, why don't you come? We've gotta be careful. You say, well, pastor, I would never do something like that. David was a man after God's own heart. David wrote most of the Psalms. And yet this still happened to him. And I'm pretty sure if we're not careful, it can happen to us. It can happen to me today.